But I want to talk about uh, the Elijah spirit that must resist and reject a Jezebel spirit. I don't, know, I don't think I've ever preached on a Jezebel spirit in my life. I've actually kind of had a reaction against it because of extremes in this subject from my point of view. And I've had a very evangelical point of view. Um, I'm not saying that, meaning that I'm not sure they were extreme. But this is a big deal. This issue of an Elijah spirit resisting and rejecting a Jezebel spirit is good Bible. It's in your Old and it's in your New Testament. And because we are helping develop a prophetic community in the body of Christ, it's a high priority to us because of our Bibles. Acts 2, I say it all the time, the reason that we're proving that they weren't drunk on the day of Pentecost is because you quote the book of Joel that prophesied there would be a presence-carrying, filled, people filled with the Spirit, prophesying people. And so we are, if you will, a corporate Elijah in the earth, the church. The church is God's prophet. He's not just got one prophet. He's got a bunch of us. We all prophesy, sons and daughters. And so because of that, there's some unique dynamics around prophesying, and we try to steward that and teach you how to hear and some etiquette. But I want to give you a warning, too. Because there, there is serious, intense warfare to steal away this Elijah, spirit of Elijah kind of thing that's on us, is on the church, um, so that we don't help usher in the second coming of Jesus, which is the great hope of the church. And it's the desire of the nations, they don't even know it. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this. Some of you have studied this before, it'll be review. But as we head in the, the, at the headwaters of 2020, I want you to consider this a little bit because I think everybody's under this oppression. I think globally, the, the humanity is under this Jezebel attack, but particularly the church. So to introduce this to you a little bit, there's an Old Testament Jezebel and there's a New Testament Jezebel. The Old Testament Jezebel was introduced to us in 1 Kings 16, verse 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil, who was a bad, his dad was a bad king of Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if, and as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, Jeroboam of Nebat, he took for his wife on top of that Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidoans, and went and served Baal, and he worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal, a house of Baal, a center of worship for Baal in the middle of Yahweh's people. This is Yahweh's covenant people, the one true God. And Ahab, one of the kings, marries Jezebel, who is the daughter of a foreign king. And history tells us that this Ithbaal was, before he was king, was a priest, a priest of Asherah. And so there was worship of the moon and sun and and, and there was sensuality and sexuality and death of children that was all involved in Canaanite worship. I mean, that Joshua, the, the whole deal with Joshua wiped them all out wasn't about ethnic cleansing. It was about removing those that were worshiping the other gods. And it was destroying them and releasing more of the funk into the earth, if you will. So the Lord sets up his people, Joshua, to come in and possess a land. Well, this is that. This is one of the brightest story or clearest stories of that. This uh, Jezebel daughter had grown up under a priest, a pagan priest who becomes a king, probably in a political treaty. Ahab ends up marrying her. Maybe he fell in love with her. We don't get any of that story. 
But he gets with her and then ramps up his evil idolatry to another level. He already was following the footsteps of Daddy Omri, who's evil. You can read back a little bit about that. He's following Jeroboam, his great-great-great-grandpa, whatever he was. But it's, it's, it goes worse. He takes it to new levels, Ahab does, because he joins himself with a witch. She's basically a witch for your modern day. She's a, she's a, a lead priestess who's gathering together idolatry and sorcery, promoting immorality and promoting death and fear everywhere she goes so that she can kill off the prophets. We'll see here. It says, And Ahab made an Asherah, in verse 33, And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, and to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Again, in 1 Kings 18, verse 4, it tells us more. And Jezebel was in the process of cutting off the prophets of the Lord, cutting off the prophets of Yahweh. She was after them. She was, she was going after the prophetic voice. Because listen, everybody, the prophetic voice is the only hope for the earth. The testimony of prophecy is the, 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 the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Us speaking the gospel is the greatest prophetic word on planet earth. And that's what we are. We're prophets. We're prophesying. Something's happened. A man came. He was God. He died and bore our sins and rose from the dead. That's a prophetic word. And we're saying he's coming again to take over everything. It's a glorious thing. And we're a prophetic people. And I'm telling you, Jezebel wants to cut this off. The Jezebel spirit. And this is not just a woman. It was a woman right here. But it's a spirit. It's the kingdom of darkness organized and coagulated together to try to cut off the voice, cut off the prophets. But Obadiah is this one guy. He took a hundred and hid them in caves because they were scared to death. If you're a prophet of Yahweh, man, Jezebel's killing them. He's, she's killing them and she's persecuting them. So they got bread and water and they're hiding them out. Now, Elijah's on the move away from her in multiple places. So Elijah has his... Um, his big showdown on Mount Carmel. Does everybody remember that? Mount Carmel. I'm not going to read that story. It's the, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Uh, the prophets of Baal. It's Jezebel's staff. It's 850, 400, I think, of uh, Baal and 450 of Esher, whatever it was. She's got, she's got 850 full-time uh, priestess if you will, priest. They are working and they've got worship centers in Israel. It says she's feeding them at her table. And that's code word, they're on the payroll. They're on the payroll. They full-time are promoting the worship of these false gods. And so Elijah, filled with the Spirit, comes out of the wilderness, calls all Israel. You remember, it's calls them all, Mount Carmel. You set up an altar, I'll set up an altar. You call on your God, I'll call on my God. And the God who answers by what? Fire, that's the true God. And so here they come, 850 of them spend 12 plus hours calling out, worshiping, praying. They go to cutting themselves and shedding their blood because that's always what the demons want us to do is shed our own blood. Our God sheds his blood for us. Everybody with me? But the demons want your blood. And so this demonic thing goes on Elijah's mocking them. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's in the toilet. That's literally what it's, he's saying. Maybe he's relieving himself. He's just, I mean, he's just, he's having a heyday. And they can't get nothing. They can't get an ounce of fire to come. And then Elijah steps up and says, I'm about to pray, but before I pray, I want to do this. What do you do? Yeah, I need, to, I need a bunch of buckets of water. Three times. Just drench it, drench it. More. More water. 
Because I want no one confused about what's about to happen here. Then he prays, and a fire comes down from heaven that not only burns up the sacrifice, it burns up the wood, but it burns up the rocks, it burns up the water, it burns up everything there. That's a fire. That's not a strange fire. It's not a hype fire. Oh, anyway, it's not hype fire. This is, this is full-out fire from heaven, burning up everything. And he has revival there because he had said, quit wavering between two opinions. And so nation repents. He kills every one of them with the sword. And this has been one of the greatest victories in all of Israel's history. And then we go to the next chapter. Chapter 19, 1 Kings. This is right after what I just told you. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the problems. He killed your leadership team. Killed them all. I saw it. Fire came down. He went over, slashed 850 people to death. They're gone. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, I need you to know this. Elijah sent a messenger to him and said, So may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Which means what? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. If I, and she made a vow, a demonic vow, really. She made a curse vow. She said she had made an agreement with her gods. Help, give me power. I want to kill Elijah. And what he did to all your 850, give me the power to do that. And then made the commitment publicly. If I don't get this done by then, may it be done unto me. Well, Elijah, it's one woman, right? He just killed 850 What's he do? It says, then he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And this is not a good place for a woman joke right here. She says one woman who had had a history of sorcery and witchcraft and immorality and idolatry and killing prophets says, just says a, a statement, I'm going to kill you. He's already had fire from heaven and killed 850. Fear strikes his heart. I wonder if you've ever had a massive, awesome victory in God. Awesome victory. You're like, I'll never be the same. I was filled. I had the victory. I'll never be the same. The next day, you're cowering behind something. Anybody, know, anybody in this room or is it just me? I told someone, I'm not having good year, bad year, good month, bad, bad. I'm having good hour, bad hour. I'll have breakthrough in faith that I can move mountains. I swear I'm moving nations from my bedroom. And then I'll hurt somewhere in my body or somebody will call and say something. I'm like, oh my God, I'm alone. I can't do anything. It's that Jezebel thing. It's still got leverage in my heart. I'm embarrassed about it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I want to fight. I want to make a stand against this thing. Because it's come and it's coming again. And I want to unpack it for you. In Revelations 2.20, the New Testament Jezebel, who was a literal person 800 years later, is talked about in Jesus' word to the church of Thyatira. He says, but I have this against you. He'd said some good things about them. But he says that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She's got cards printed. She's the prophetess in the church in Thyatira. But she's teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality 
and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So there was this woman, and we, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this, but she was named Jezebel. Now, did Jesus call her that? Was that her name? We don't, we don't know, but what we do know is that she's doing the two primary things. She's promoting immorality and idolatry, and she's doing it with a platform of she's among the church, which I think is a great warning for us that this stuff can seep in to our own midst. Listen, the Jezebel spirit teaching is more than just about aggressive women and insecure men leaders, okay? There are some women that need to settle down. There are some men that need to just suck it up and lead and not be intimidated by strong women. We love strong women. Amen, everybody? We love you. There's order in the kingdom. A man's a man. A woman's a woman. The man stands for Christ. The woman stands for the church. I'll... That's the Bible. But I'm telling you, men and women alike are anointed and gifted in God. And we want all that. This is not what this teaching's about. What it's about is a, a dark thing that's promoting from the kingdom of darkness to try to cut off the prophetic voice in the earth. So, the scriptures liken us to Elijah. James 5 verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain for three and a half, six months, three years and six months, and it didn't rain. And then he prayed again, and it gave rain. And So he's changing weather patterns, Elijah. But he's a guy like us. So the question of how could he get in fear right after he's had a great exploit? Well, he's like us. He's got the same kind of humanity in him, and that's actually good news for us. So let me read a couple sentences to you. Elijah was an essential prophet in Israel's history, and the Elijah spirit is essential in the first coming and the second coming of Christ. John the Baptist carried the Elijah spirit to make way for the first coming. That's what was prophesied would be upon him, the spirit of Elijah. The church, I believe, will carry the Elijah spirit to make way for the second coming, Isaiah 40, verse 3. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, Elijah didn't fulfill all that. It says that all mankind will give glory and see the glory of the Lord. John the Baptist's ministry didn't have the scope of all the earth, okay? That's all going to happen in the second coming. Where it was one man, John the Baptist. Now, it's all of us operating under the spirit of Elijah. So, by the spirit of Elijah, I simply mean moving in prayer and prophecy by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring individual and global focus upon Jesus. That's what I mean by it right there. Okay? It's, it's the moving in prayer and prophecy. That's why we're on this so strong. By the power of the Holy Spirit... To bring individual and even global, I believe that, focus upon Jesus. So, besides the great exploits that will manifest in those moving in the Elijah spirit, there's a dire warning about a Jezebel spirit that's missioned to distract, intimidate, seduce, cut off, and to kill. She's, in, in, in 50 more words, okay? Now watch, listen. Jezebel wants cultures of what I've got right here. She wants to produce cult. this. Now, when I say she, and now I'm talking metaphorically about the kingdom of darkness. I'm talking about spirits. They want to promote idolatry at levels that we've never seen before, that are connected to spirit stuff. They want to produce sensuality. Now, the idolatry, I'll tell you, Paul says in Colossians, covetousness is like idolatry. 
I'm telling you, if you don't think we don't have idols in our modern world, you're missing, you're missing the point. I know they're not stoned and they're not whatever, but we're bowing down before sports. We're bowing down before heroes. We're paying money and homage. We're raising our hands and shut. And, and I'm a, I like sports. I'm not anti-sports. I'm just, that's not my point. But we're bowing down before cars and monies and jobs and reputations and it's idolatry everywhere. And it's really more than just distracted human flesh. It's the work of demonic spirits. So is sensuality. There's never been more sensuality on the planet than right now. I just heard a preacher say, there's more hits at porn shop, porn sites every day than Amazon, eBay, and he listed multiple of the biggest hits. He said, there's more hits on porn sites than all of those put together. Billions of pornographic searches and looking and because we've offered it up globally. You have to sneak down the street across and get the magazine any more. It's in your pocket. Now, I know everybody knows this, but hang with me. I'm not here to make the guys feel shame in this room. Please stay with me because I've got a bigger point to make to you than your struggle with lust. This thing is coming out from the kingdom of darkness. And it's to, steal, it's to do more than get you to break one of the Ten Commandments. Yes, but the commandments were to keep you away from life, to do something bigger inside you with the immorality. She had murdering children, their firstborn. They would literally worship in her daddy's religion, Jezebel's daddy. They would, they would sacrifice their firstborn kids. It was all a counterfeit of the firstborn Jesus going to come, but they were killing their children. Abortion, rampant upon the planet. And I'm telling you, it's the activity of the demonic forces a fear culture. All news is, I'm so sick of the news. I'm like, when are they going to give me a report? Listen, news flash. A guy went across the street and mowed an old lady's lawn. Nobody does that. It's all, the old lady got murdered. The old, that's all we hear is the bad fear news. Turn on your shows. Look at the movies. There's a spiritual, listen, there's a whole strategy from the enemy to call, cause us to be a fear people. Fear and scared, and we're going to lose, and we're going to get caught. It's a gotcha, fear-based culture in Washington, D.C. right now. New York, it's fear about money. In L.A., it's fear coming out of the entertainment industry. It's all to grip your heart and get you ready for another day. Five, she is once a culture of resisting the prophetic voice. Why does the evangelical church, in a large way, freak out and flinch when you say prophetic? <laughs> well, there's been some bad examples of it. But I'm telling you, the enemies had an assignment to try to steal this jewel from the body of Christ. It's a Jezebel spirit. It's a Jezebel spirit robed in theology. It's just bad Bible. I've had the conversations with some of the guys in town. And listen, I'm, a I'm just a little Baptist boy that got filled with the spirit. So I'm not on the charismatic Pentecostal pedestal now. I've I got issues on that side too a little bit. But I'm telling you, there is whole constructs of theology being built to crush the prophetic spirit and the prophetic voice, and it's a Jezebel thing. Elijah moves in weather-changing, powerful prayer. That's what you are. We're supposed to move nations, people, cities, and I think even weather patterns by the power of prayer. Je Elijah releases prophetic, fiery victory over enemies. You and I are supposed to be slaying the enemies. Not, not like Elijah did with a sword and cut them. We do it with the word of God. Amen. With the word of God, we're the ones on the offense 
according to the Bible and Jesus' prophecy. Number three, though, Elijah's often succumbed to fear at the threat of death. They, they're like passioned. So they got, they got power in prayer, power in prophecy, but then they get scared all of a sudden. Four, they lose perspective in self-pitied isolation. Does anybody remember where this thing ends up? He runs and gets up in a cave, and then the Lord's like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I'm hiding out because there's nobody left. Nobody's way. It's me. I'm the lone one for Yahweh. What does the Lord say? No, no seriously. Seriously, dude, you need to settle down. There's, I got 7,000 who are not going to... Obadiah's got some guys hidden in a cave. But when you get in a place, and that's what the enemy's doing. I don't know if you've ever felt that. He hoards you off into, I'm the only one. Nobody's looking. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody, nobody. The enemy's trying to isolate you out. Gifted prophetic people, gifted prophetic church will struggle with this if she doesn't watch it. I've met some of the most prophetic people, and they're some of the weirdest dudes and gals. I love them, but they're so isolated from community. I'm like, don't do that. Be in the body. You're going to be trouble. They're going to be trouble. We're all going to have to get used to each other. But we need you in here. You go scream on the streets the other days, but, you know, and grow your this and that. But I'm, listen, be in the body. <laughs> Number five, he blesses and anoints the next generation order. He, and that's another story I don't have time to unpack. But he starts, he blesses an Elisha. He blesses a new king and a new administrator. Elijah's are a mixed bag at times, and so are we. And what I wanted to say to you today is that we need to beware of this Jezebel spirit. And let me just say a couple things to close here. Globally, there's an attack of sensuality, a desynthesizing thing on all of humanity, not just men, it's men and women, to try to get us and pull us not only just into perversion so we break a commandment, but to dull our conscience to get us so low and so, uh, and it's unto an end. The end is not that we would sin sexually. The end is that we would get dull in our conscience and we would be prepared for sorcery. That we would be prepared for witchcraft. That we'd be prepared for an antichrist spirit. Listen, this is the, this is the biggest warning I've ever given you. Uh, don't sin sexually. Yes, it's bad for your body, bad for your relationships, all that. That's true. But it's more than that. The end... The enemy's trying to train a generation, trying to seduce them. You read your Bible. It's often there'll be immorality, and then it'll be, then they send in sorcery and witchcraft. Something happens inside the human experience when we give ourselves to the high of sexuality outside of marriage and covenant stuff. It does something to us that's training us for a greater day of deception. Is everybody okay with me? I believe this about gluttony. You think eating well, yeah, is important for today, but you learning how to live a fasted lifestyle is real important for tomorrow. Because the devil's gonna try. You read it, you're gonna get a mark and you can buy or sell. Well, if food is an idol to you, you're probably gonna compromise. But if you'll break that idol, by the way, food's a good thing. I'm into food. And as far as I've read it, you needed to eat it. But you need to rule over food and not let food rule over you. And if you don't figure that out now, I'm telling you, you're going to have a tough time when, it, when the dice is, I mean, when, when it's, it's going to be an intense time. Provision is going to be withheld from you, and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to eat, I got to eat, I got to have that car, I got to have the, and you, you've been trained with the high of eating, 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 sexing, 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 sorry, 
having, having stuff, 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 and you thought how you manage money and deal with what you do with the riches of this earth is getting you prepared not only for the age to come, yes, in heaven, but also for some of the most dire days on planet earth. And I think we need to be careful of being arrogant that we think, oh, when the, when, the, when the stakes, what am I trying to say? When the stakes are down, I'm trying to say something. When the chips are down, that somehow I'm going to turn out and be faithful. I had one dude tell me he's being so unfaithful in his walk. He goes, I know it. I know I'm being unfaithful. But when the chips are down, I'll stay. I would die for him. And I go, dude, here's the question. The question is not whether you die for him. It's whether you'll live for him today. Not if you'll die for him tomorrow. If you won't live for him today, you probably won't die for him tomorrow. And if you're wallowing in just the sensuality of the age and the gluttonous spirit of the age and the addiction of money, I'm telling you, you're not getting your soul prepared because it's setting you up for something. And I'll say this lastly. The Mount Carmel place where all this happened is, is viewing right over the top of Armageddon, the Valley of Armageddon. I don't know if you knew that. That was a pre-type of the global war that's going to happen at the end of the age. We got one Elijah. He stands for the church. You got the prophets of Baal. It stands for all that are antichrist and against the Lord. And it's a worship war. This is my point. It's a prayer and worship war that's going on there. And it's what's going to go on in the end times. This issue of us learning to pray, learning to worship, this is the deal. Mount Carmel was a pre-run through what's going to happen globally down in and end up in the, in the valley of Armageddon. And I'm telling you, we must learn to pray. Because if we don't know how to pray, we don't know how to live, and we don't know how to war, and we don't know how to battle for the Lord Jesus and for his glory. These are serious days. And listen, you're not waiting on the serious days to get here. They're here. They're upon you. It's the days of preparation. What you do with your sexuality, what you do with your food, what you do with your money, what you do with your relationships is all about preparing you for what you're going to do in a greater day. And I'm not trying to promote fear. I just want to preach the Bible to you. And I want you to come to a place where Jesus is the best to you. You're free from every addiction because you're saying, I'll do anything for him. I'll go anywhere. I'll give up anything. I'm managing all these dynamics for his glory so that I might be set up to be spirit-led. Does this make sense to everybody? Beware of the Jezebel spirit. It's not coming. It's here. And it's hunting you. I just got a stupid email from, I'm not even going to tell you, it's embarrassing to read these titles. You ever get them? And I was going, they're hunting me. Russian beauties are hunting me. The prince of Nigeria is hunting me so I can make a billion dollars. Hunting me through my vessel thingy here. I'm like, can't I just have a little time at home? And they're hunting us and hunting us and hunting us. And I actually hope when I say this truth to you, this is good news that you know this. Because it'll rise up. The Spirit's like, I've known this a long time. I just need you to get with the agenda. We've been being hunted. It was more than you'd slip around and feel guilty for a while for your lust. He's working to prepare your heart for another day of desertion. And so we take a stand now. We train now in the seminary of life now. In the seminary of trials now. In the seminary of our sexuality and our hunger and our possessions now. 
so that we might steward a great day. Does this make sense to everybody? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, break a Jezebel spirit off us by the power of the blood of Jesus. I pray for revelation to see it coming from a mile away. We'd stop getting in bed with the thing, stop eating the thing, stop buying the thing. I pray, Lord, you would set us free. Now, today, I pray for the teenagers in the room, and they're being taught a different thing of morality. Lord, I pray you set them free. May they be one of the most holy, pure generations we've ever seen, with the most attacked ever with sensuality. I pray you do a work of liberty in their hearts. Middle-aged men, old men in this room, and that will listen to this. I know we're all under the attack, but Lord, we're, we're tired of hiding. and ty- Lord, I pray you set us free from this isolation junk that's just going to get us killed. And I pray that we come out and be the family of God, shocked no longer by what we struggle with, confessing and being praying powerful prayers for liberty. Lord, I pray you would break us free from the Jezebel spirit that's attacking our husbands and attacking our wives and attacking our children, our sons and our daughters. No, no, no culture of fear and immorality and death. You're going to die. Just that junk just broke off of us. May we be that Elijah company, that Elijah people that are praying and prophesying for the sake of your glory in Jesus' name. Do it not only in this room, do it across the city, state, nation, the church globally. Raise up leaders that will proclaim this message. God, we're just asking we'd be that Elijah people and then set us free from fear. God, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Was that heavy? Is that heavy? Big heavy? A little heavy? Little medium heavy? What was that? Anybody okay? Everybody all right? You okay? I don't really care if you thought it was a good sermon. I want to know if you heard me. Did you hear me? I feel a fatherly, apostolic, burning affection about this thing because I care for your souls and I care for the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're focused on the wrong things sometimes. How we can be more successful, how the platforms can get bigger. I'm telling you, we got to be focused on our souls. Being free from a Jezebel spirit, alive in an Elijah spirit for the glory of God. Amen?